Welcome and thank you for listening to the CRC podcast brought to you by Pastor Ad Boschel. We believe that God is working across this platform to bring each and every believer revival throughout their entire lives. We hope you are inspired by this week's message. Um, I want to start, it's a little bit tragic, but I want to start with two things, two stories, real stories that happened in the last week. And if you are here tonight and it affects you, I, my heart is broken for you. About two weeks ago, a lady contacted us from Port Elizabeth on social media and said, I want to come to a CRC church. We sent that name down to Pastor Keegan and them, and thank God they followed her up and they had her in a home cell on Wednesday night. And she was 70 years old, what a young girl. Gave her life to the Lord. That next morning, she got stabbed 70 times for a cell phone. Never knew what was heading her way, but God did. You never know what's heading your way, but God does. And I'm not meaning to put fear upon you. I want to talk about the things that matter because I've been talking about it for the last few weeks and some of you are still not getting it because you think your friends will live forever and they will not. Death comes like a thief in the night. Pastor Jack this last week had to go through all the night vigils because one of the directors in our church sitting in Pretoria in a restaurant in daylight having a meal with somebody else Somebody walked into that restaurant with a knife, stabbed him once in the neck, dead. Today I come back from Johannesburg and there was a major accident on the N14. People had to be lifted. I don't know how many of them died, but I know that there are some who died. I think sometimes when a preacher is passionate about talking about lost people, they want to label you and say that's his thing. No, it's not. I've stood at too many deathbeds to realize how final death is. I've done this too long to realize that death comes without invitation. That your friend at university tomorrow may not live another day. I mean, I was a reckless young person. If I have to think back of the things that happened in my life before I got saved, I thank God that He protected me. A man that put a gun in my belly, pulled the trigger, the gun never went off. Then he took the same revolver, pointed at my friend, because we were naughty. Gate crashed a party, and I don't want to say what we did. And he took that revolver and shot. And I still shouted to my friend. I said, Buta, heit a gewehr. And Buta, tak is heit gepak. He ran, like in the army. Dashed down, roll, crawl, observe, side fire. He dashed like this. And the guy shot five times. Bam, 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 bam. Never hit him. The times I was reckless in many, many ways before I got saved. Places I were. You know, after I got saved, I wasn't one of those rejoicing Christians. I was in shock. You better listen to me. I was in shock because I just made it. I made it by the skin of my teeth and skin and teeth has no skin. I just made it. And some of you just made it and you forgot what God did for you. You forgot the treasure that you carry. You forget that you are the hope of this world. You forget that you have a message that people have to hear. You forget that you, oh, come on, man. You forget that you are the one that we should be standing between the living and the dead. That we are not here to play Christian games. We are not here to be Christian consumers. We are here to be trained by God, to be mobilized by God, to go into our world and to change our world. I sat with some of the top police officials. It's amazing where they persecuted me and tried to arrest me in Johannesburg during COVID because we were not bowed to certain regulations and we did things safe. I want to say today we had 242 of the top police officials in South Africa from 42 police stations. And uh, what a great privilege to be able to preach the gospel to them. Many of them got saved, etc., etc. But we spoke about crime in South Africa afterwards and we both agree that the top general that crime is a moral issue we can all sit on the sidelines and criticize or we can engage and we can make this world a better place 
Somebody told me about Jesus and that took me out of a path of destruction. Where would I be if some, nobody told me? And I say this to you and you're becoming desensitized. You're not listening to me until somebody close to you dies, until your uncle dies or your mother dies or your father dies and you are shocked to reality and you have to ask the question, where is this person? Because you can stand at that grave and you can act all religious and say she was a good person. But good doesn't get you to heaven. In John chapter 3, Jesus made it very clear. He said, you must be born again. So we owe it to our friends, to our relatives, to our children, to share our faith with them. Can you say amen tonight? We owe it. If we say that we love our friends, we owe it to our friends to tell them about Jesus Christ. Come on. If your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life and you know it, I want you to stand to your feet and give the Lord a celebration of praise. Hallelujah. Come on, praise Him if you know you are saved. Praise Him if you know that you are washed in the blood. I think um, when we are saved for a long time, we forget. But, but how many of you just made it? Well, some of you know what I'm talking about. How many of you were in an accident and you just made it? You're in a reckless situation. You just made it. There are people lost tonight. So I want to talk for a couple of hours tonight on the lost sheep and the lost coin. What matters to God? I talk to pastors all the time and they say, well, you're an evangelist, so you have a soul winning church. I spoke to somebody in gym this week. He said, Pastor, I visited your church. Um, it's a soul winning church, but I prefer a teaching church. I said, I'm okay with that. As long as you get taught to fulfill the Great Commission. Because God's not interested in your spiritual intellect. God is interested in what you do for His kingdom. Say amen tonight in Jesus' name. So the Bible says in verse 1, many dishonest tax collectors and other notorious sinners. How many of you like sinners? Come on. No, some of you are too churchy fine, okay? That's why I don't dress like a pastor and I actually don't want people to know I'm a pastor. Um, I've, many times people go and say, we're looking for the pastor. Then I, I did a Jesus thing. I said, I am He. And they never felt like they fell before Jesus because it was like, huh? No, we're looking for the pastor, which should be packaged in what? So many dishonest tax collectors and other notorious sinners often gathered around to listen as Jesus taught the people. This raised concerns among the Jewish religious leaders and experts of the law, indignant. They grumbled and complained saying, look at how this man associates with all these notorious sinners and welcomes them all to him. <laughs> I want to tell you, there's no sin that keeps you away from God. There's nothing you can do that will make God stop loving you. Your dirt and the stench and the stain of sin will not separate you from the love God has for you. Jesus came into this world to reconcile you back to God. And our assignment, I'm getting ahead of myself, is the same. We are yet to reconcile our world back to God to go after that chief sinner, to go after that notorious boy on the campus, to reach those that are the, are the most radical, those that people have written off, those who people say, I'll tell you, God is going to turn sinners around. God is going to save chief sinners and they are going to preach the gospel. Even corrupt politicians are going to get saved and pay back the money and they are going to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. Somebody shout amen in Jesus name in response Jesus gave them this illustration he says there once was a shepherd with a hundred lambs but one of his lambs wandered away and was lost and I've been a pastor 37 years I've been saved 41 years and I never forgot forget what it feels like to be lost every time I give an altar call I give an altar call to myself it's like I get saved again not that I need to be saved again but I remember how I got saved. I remember I was lost. The minute we stop remembering that we were lost, we become entitled. 
and we become consumers and we begin to live for what we can get. And we don't live with our assignment, which is to share the hope that we received while we were lost. So this man has a hundred sheep, one goes lost. He leaves the 99 lambs out in the open field and he searched in the wilderness for that one lost lamb. He didn't stop. He didn't stop. He didn't write the lamb off. He didn't talk about the lamb that was lost. He didn't stop until he finally found it. And with exuberant joy, he raised it up, placed it on his shoulders. He never flocked the person back to church. He picked him up out of the miry clay. He went to the club where he's losing himself and he lifted him up. He didn't judge him, he didn't condemn him. He raised him up and he brought him back to the fold. Come on, some of you have to get off your high horse, off your piety, and you have to go back to your friends and stop talking about that girl, stop talking about the one who lost herself and make up your mind to pray for that person and go after that soul because one person lost is one too many. Say amen in Jesus' name. You're not the judge. So stop talking about your sister. Pray for your sister. Go seek your sister. Go find your sister. Go bring the prodigal back. He didn't stop until he finally found it with exuberant joy. He raised it up. Do you know when people are backslidden, they don't feel good about it. How many of you know? You can't enjoy a life of sin any longer. Just wave with me. Okay, you don't know what I'm talking about, right? Before you got saved, it bothered you. But now that you are saved, you can't live a life of sin, can you? You lose your joy and your peace. So you're never going to be happy. So those people already don't feel good about themselves. We are not there to point out their sin. We are there to go plead with them. We are there to restore them. We are there to lift them. Come on, because sin will take you down, but Jesus will lift you up. And you should be like Jesus that reaches into your world and lift your friends and carry them. Oh, come on, back into the presence of God. Come on, if we have a re- want a revival in our universities, we have to change our attitude. We have to stop pointing out the sins of people and we have to love those sinners. We have to befriend those sinners and we have to preach the gospel to those sinners say amen in Jesus name so he carries it back with cheerful delight returning home he called all his friends and neighbours together and said let's have a party a party come and celebrate with me the return of my lost lamb it wandered away but I found it and brought it home and Jesus continued now listen every Sunday we gather together heaven pays attention Listen, heaven is watching tonight. God is watching. Whether we are faithful to His mandate. So what matters to heaven? It's not the Christians having a good goosebump time. What matters to God is that we grow deeper in Him. That we become more Christ-like. But here's the problem, when we grow deeper, we should fish deeper. Because sometimes people become theologically deeper and they become sterile when it comes to God's assignment. They have so much knowledge and the theology that it paralyzes them from fulfilling the Great Commission. How's that possible? Because when I read the Bible, the closer you get to the heart of God, the more you will be moved by the heart of God. So to say, I'm, I'm, I'm into the deep things of God, you should be the person fishing in the deep waters because you can't get, get deeper than what Jesus died for 2,000 years ago. Your calling is not to be some deep theologian without fulfilling your assignment. I'll show you this from the Bible tonight. Because people invite me all over the world and they say, listen, come and activate our church to win souls. I say, you can't activate a church to win souls if the church's culture and, and the main focus of the church is soul winning. You can't activate it. It's not a department. It is the calling. It is the assignment of the church. Winning the lost at every cost is the calling of every believer in Jesus' name because you are God's missionary. You are God's sent one in your world. You are studying in fits. You are studying 
in, 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 in Europe, you are studying in UCT, you are studying in, in Pretoria, wherever you are. God brought you here, not just to get a degree, but God knew there would be people in your class, people at your campus that are lost, people that need to experience this living God. God has placed you there as an ambassador. Come on, you're in that school to reconcile your world back to Jesus. Come on, teenagers, wave at me and say amen. You are gonna be the world changers. So listen, Jesus continued in the same way. He says, there will be a glorious celebration in heaven over the rescue of one lost sinner. Think how heaven celebrated last Sunday night when over 2,000 people got saved. Come on, hallelujah. Oh, come on, come on. Come on, church, let's get the climate of heaven. Let's get happy and excited when people get saved. Let's, let's not be these sour, prune-sucking, lemon-sucking Christians. Do you want the joy and the fire of God? Be a soul winner. Be a soul winner. Bible says, he that wins souls is wise. A glorious celebration over the rescue of one lost sinner and repents and comes back home and returns to the fold more so than for all the righteous people who never strayed away. You better think about that. Because we can come together as a church and all we do is we, 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 we become consumers. It's all about us. I mean, people get, I spoke to a pastor, I was preaching at a very large conference in America and a good friend of mine, I don't want to say where he lives because some of you will figure it out, uh, and his church exploded in America, etc. But nobody got saved in his church, so he's in Texas. So I said to him, after one night in the conference, uh, we walked out, I said, you know, if your church grows with 3,000 people and nobody got saved, it never benefited God's kingdom. Think about it. Because many churches grow on transfer growth. They don't get people saved. They have a program and they lure people because they're not focused on the Great Commission. And the next morning he said to me, Art, you know, when I go to America, they talk to me in all different ways. I'm Art, Ad, Ert. And he wasn't, and now I just say Adam, okay? Just call me Adam, hallelujah. And he said, Art, Art, Art. I've been, th I've been up all night thinking about what you said, my brother. What you said is right. I said, exactly. Because churches compete, churches. There's enough fish for everybody. I said, there's enough lost people for everybody. We can fill every church in Pretoria and 90% of people will still not be in church. So you cannot build your church off somebody else. You have to build your church off the Great Commission. You go reach people and you teach people. You do what Jesus called you to do. You get people saved and you raise people up in Jesus' name. Amen? Say amen. Because that's the church. A church that grows with transfer growth, people that move from Pretoria to wherever, and the pastor says, my church grew. Let's look at context. People have to get saved. If people aren't getting saved, it's benefiting the scoreboard in heaven, nothing. I want this to sink in because we cannot be like people in the world where we are consumers where we treat a church like a club. No, the Bible says the Lord sets the members in the house as it pleases Him. Psalm 92 says, those who are planted in the house shall flourish in the courts of our God. We have to be planted in the house of God and we have to receive the whole counsel of God. Every part, not, oh, I want my ego to be stimulated. I want to be motivated every Sunday. Listen, some of you have been motivated enough. You need a kick under your backside. I mean, under your blessed assurance to get out into the highways and to stop thinking about yourself and to stop being in love with yourself because that's a narcissistic syndrome. You love God and you love people. You have to get off your rusty dusty and begin to reach other people. Then you're not always gonna say, oh, the church is not feeding me. What are you even saying by that? The church is not feeding me. What do you mean by that? The church is not feeding me. Do I still have to change your diaper after 20 years and, and, and stuff food down your mouth? Listen. 
Jesus in John chapter 4 said, My meat is to do the will of Him who sent me and to finish His work. I tell you why people think churches don't feed them, because they are consumers. God never called us to be consumers. God called us to be contributors. And if you're out there reaching a world for Jesus Christ, you will remain hungry, my brother and my sister, because what satisfies you is fulfilling heaven's agenda. Not more knowledge, not more theology. And we have it all in this church. You can enroll into Bible school for three years. You can go through our uh, journey of an incoming member. We'll teach you everything. But what we're not going to do is pacify you and prophesy to you from the morning to the ego, morning till evening, uh, and say, oh, great one, oh, great one. I can only be seven minutes. I've not even started. I submit to the television. So, um, I mean, I understand some churches are more prophetic. I have nothing against it. Some people are churches are more teaching. I have nothing against it. Uh, some churches are more into worship. They worship for three hours before they preach. That's okay. They run around the building and everywhere. And when everybody's tired, uh, the preacher gets up to preach. So I get all of that. That's all fine. But that's not the main thing. Amen. We're not a social club, although we provide social experiences. The church is not a social hangout place. The church is the pillar and ground of truth. The church is the place where God operates from. It's Zion. The church is where we are taught. The church is where we are discipled. The church is where we find our place in the body. That's why you have to get planted. You can't be a church hopper. You have to get planted. Say it tonight. Say, I have to get planted. Say it. Say it. Say, I have to get planted. Tell the person next to you. Say to that person, you have to get planted. Amen. You have to get planted. I said, you have to get planted. And, 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 and God plants you where God wants you, not where you think you should be. And, and if God plants you, you don't uproot yourself because the pastor said something you don't like. Aina? Oh, I love it when people look at me like this because it's like tickle my ears, pastor, don't say anything that's going to offend me. Please make me feel good. I made you feel good this morning, all right? And I want you to feel good about yourself, but I really can't say how you feel good about yourself if people that you see every day are lost and, and one of them might die and go to hell. And I, I, I just can't get it. What must I do? Shout louder, wake up, wake up, wake up, wake up, wake up. Open your eyes. See the fields? Understand that time is no guarantee. Tomorrow is no guarantee. Now is all I have. I, I hugged a pastor because I used to preach in, in Bloemfontein on Hoffman Square every uh, Saturday. That's where Andre met me. Used to go there on my motorbike. Then I, in the center, in the marketplace, because I'm a street evangelist at the heart. And I would first start on a jump on a plant box and then I put um, a platform and a band and preached four times, go four altar calls every Saturday morning. People would come out of the offices, people working out of the stores, people would come and hundreds would get saved every Sunday, four altar calls every Sunday morning. That's how we brought revival to that city, by the way, not in a building, outside of the building. I took the gospel out there. One day a man came, a pastor, William Bath. First time I met him, he came to Hoffman Square. And he borrowed a bike from somebody else. Climbed off the bike, listened to me, and we had a good conversation. I gave him a hug. He climbed on the bike. That was like two o'clock. We wrapped up the meetings. And quarter to three, I get a phone call. William was in an accident. He's dead. And his wife phones me and says, go raise him from the dead. I never knew. I tried, okay, didn't work. I don't want to go down that path, but I did. I went there, I prayed, I laid my hands on him. I mean, it was not the greatest experience, but I mean, because they freeze you like instantly, okay? So I needed two miracles, a defrost and then a, and then a resurrection miracle. 
Because when I laid my hand and everything was frozen, my faith froze. I have to be honest. And she phones me, she said, did you raise him? Did you raise him? I said, no, no. I tried my best, but I, but I never knew. That was the last time I was going to see him. Never knew it. Never knew it. Wake up. I never knew. And I can tell you this of so many people that I never knew that this was the last time I was going to talk to that person. And I thank God, I can tell you of hundreds of people that supernaturally God led me to. When I did street work, God led me. Every Friday, Saturday night, we went out to witness to people and we continue that in our church. Still today, people are out on the streets all the time because we have to take the gospel to the sinners as well. I'll never forget walking into a... Uh, standing and praying and I always followed the Holy Ghost and He led me to the train station and I climbed on the train without a ticket and walked to a compartment and there was a little girl dressed in black a little Satanist already had a rope around her neck busy hanging herself she was about to lift her feet and I walked in and I said no, no Jesus loves you I said no, no and she gave her life to Jesus Christ and she brought all the satanic, oh listen to me man, she brought all the satanic friends to church every Sunday. It was actually so funny. They used to come dressed in black and then they would sit there and they would try and curse me. But how many of you know light is greater than darkness? And I would preach the love of Jesus Christ, given all the call and all these long-legged women dressed in black, dressed in black, dressed in black, dressed in black, black, black. They all came down the aisle. Week after week after week, they just came because one little girl that was hopeless, sin so diminished her, sin so took her self-esteem. God used somebody and I was just a nobody. And I just went by the power of the Holy Ghost and I said, no, no, no. Jesus loves you. No, no, don't do this. Jesus loves you. And she gave her life to Jesus. And many, many people got saved. I want to tell you tonight that Jesus loves you. I want to tell you that God cares about you. I want to tell you about there, tonight there is nothing you can do that will separate you from the love God has for you. Don't let people cancel you. Don't cancel yourself. Come back to Jesus Christ. Get yourself back to Jesus Christ and make up your mind tonight to go tell your friends there is a God who loves them and you go reach that lost sheep and you take that person back into the presence of Jesus in Jesus' name. God bless you. Come on, give the television audience a hand clap. Oh, come on, I feel God in this place tonight, somebody. God's going to stir you up. God's going to stir you up. There are places you have to go. There are things you have to do. There are people, death is heading their way. I'm telling you this by the Spirit of God. And you are the person that will stand. You are the person that will rescue. You are the person that will bring that person back to Christ. In the name of Jesus, I feel it. I feel it tonight. There are people that need to hear the message of Jesus. They are friends. You have to shout. You have to cry out to them because they will not see the end of this year. You are the person. You are the person that should pick up the telephone and tell them that God loves them, that there is a Savior that cares for them and bring them back to the house of God. Get them back into the presence of Jesus. Say amen and give the Lord a praise. Come on. So Jesus gives another parable. He says there was a woman. Because maybe when he talks about money, they'll understand it better. Because people value money more than souls. When I was a salesman, I would oftentimes lead somebody to Jesus and lose the business. No money is worth more than a soul. Sign the contract, but then tell them about Jesus. Gave them another parable. There once was a woman who had 10 valuable silver coins. When she lost one of them, she swept her entire house, diligently searching every nook and cranny for that one lost coin. But when she finally found it, she gathered all her friends and neighbors for a celebration, telling them, come and celebrate with me. I had lost my precious silver coin, but now I have found it. That's the way God responds. That's the way God responds. Not a man. The angels we see previously rejoice. Now we're talking about God. 
That's the way God responds. Your father, that Zephaniah talks about, who jumps up off the throne and he leaps in the air with great joy over you. He's not the stern God sitting in the heaven with a big stick ready to knock you over your head. He's a loving God with arms open wide who sent His Son to die for your sin. And He watches closely. Listen, He watches closely for you and me to share our faith with people. And every time a sinner repents, the Bible says God responds and turns and He says to the angels, let's have a joyous, joyous celebration for the one who was lost I have found. I thought about this. If, if, if the church in the world does what they're supposed to do, there's a party in heaven all the time because people are getting saved 24-7. Think about it. And, and this is now our service. This is our time. We don't want heaven silent when we gather. We want the angels to celebrate when the church in South Africa and the church in Africa are gathering together. We want the heaven's climate on planet Earth. So there's a lot of lost sheep out there, many lost coins. We need to go find them. I said we need to go find them. Luke chapter 10, Jesus said, the harvest is great, the laborers are few. The laborers are lazy. The laborers are distracted. The laborers have become consumers. The laborers have lost what it's all about. So we need to reach these people the same way Jesus did when He had to befriend them. He was a friend of the most notorious sinners. People sometimes see me in a motorbike and we'll go certain places and people think we are there to, to backslide. We, we don't backslide, don't worry, I'm not sliding anywhere. But I'll tell you what, I'll sit with those people and I don't care how many bombs they drop in their language, I'm unfazed because I'm immune. I'm insulated, I'm not isolated. That darkness in them is not getting into me. The light in me is greater. I have to be out there. I have to make them feel comfortable in my presence. And then at the right time, by the power of the Holy Ghost, I'm going to share my faith with them, hook them, and get them saved by the power of God. Say amen. We need to care about their eternal well-being and love them enough to risk sharing our faith with them. The church is the place where we have to be taught the Word of God. Yes. The church is the place where we have to find our spiritual assignment in the body of Christ and serve. We have a saying in our church, uninvolved people will never reach spiritual maturity. You can't be an onlooker. You have to be a participator. You have to get into the game. So the church is a place where we are shepherded. It's a place we are cared for, where we bear one another's burdens, home cells, right? Where we are taught the Word of God, line upon line, precept upon precept where we are trained and equipped, mobilized, mobilized to go into all the world and to share our faith. It's not an either or approach. It's not we are a teaching church so we don't win souls or we are soul winning church, therefore we do not teach. We have to teach in order to equip people because the Bible is clear in Ephesians chapter four that God gave some to be apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry. What is the work of the ministry? Second Corinthians chapter five, verse 18, the Bible says the ministry of reconciliation that God is living in us, crying through us that this world be reconciled to God. So even if you prophesy, the purpose of prophecy is to reconcile people back to God. There's not a higher ministry. We are called to the ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ. Are you listening to me today? So you cannot come and say, I'm a Bible teacher and I am a deep disciple of God and the loss doesn't matter to you because that discipleship means absolutely nothing. Discipleship means you act like Jesus Christ. John 20, 21, as my Father sent me, so sent I you. So you cannot grow deeper in Christ and you do not carry a deeper purpose of Christ in your heart. Oh, I just love to worship. I love spending time in the presence of God. When Isaiah did it in Isaiah chapter six and he sees the seraphim, and he sees the cherubim and he sees God on the throne, holy, holy, holy. And, 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 and he says, whoa, I'm unturned a bed of unclean lips. And an angel come, touches his clothes and his iniquity is perched away. He hears the cry of the Father that says, whom shall I send and who will go with us? It wasn't a moment of silence. It was a moment of purpose. Moses at the burning bush. God says, come, I've seen my people. The fire wasn't there to give Moses a great time. The fire was there to get Moses' attention so Moses could go and deliver the people of God. 
get out of consumerism. Get out of just wanting things for yourself and catch the fire so you can go and set people free in your world. Are you listening tonight? It's like we want Christianity without responsibility. When Jesus calls Peter and, 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 and Andrew's brother, he says, follow me and I'll make you fishes of men. That's the purpose. Paul writes in Timothy, he says, um, Christ came into this world to save sinners of who I am chief. Luke 19, 10, the Son of Man has come to seek and save that which is lost. Mark 16, verse 15, go into all the world and preach the gospel. The final instruction of Jesus Christ to you and me is to preach the gospel to our friends, our world, to share our faith. And I want to say this without criticizing anybody. There's no such thing as having a church and the, the, the lost is not at the top of the agenda. It doesn't exist in the Bible because the early church never operated like that. The early church were deep in the apostles' teaching, deep in community, deep in, in prayer. But the church grew. 3,000 got saved in one day. Acts 2.47, the Lord added to the church daily. Acts chapter 5, the number of disciples multiplied greatly. And, 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 and Acts chapter 5, an increasing number of believers were added to the Lord. Acts chapter 8, when they were scattered everywhere with persecution, they preached the gospel. They never lost their purpose. So don't come and tell me that you want a church that just tickles your fancy and does not mobilize you into the assignment of God. Because my brother, it's not biblical. You're very quiet here. Because give me the reason or the purpose that's higher than Christ. If Christ is both apostle, prophet, teacher, pastor, evangelist, and His assignment is to win the lost. It's like you have to wrestle people to keep the main thing the main thing. It's like people look at you, especially when you speak at pastor's conferences, and you say, listen, this is not criticism. It's okay to have, because um, the church will take on a, a certain characteristic of the pastor's dominant gift. I get it. But the, the dominant gift cannot overshadow the dominant purpose. And that purpose is to seek and save the lost. That my life has a purpose. The purpose of my life is to save souls. Whether I'm a doctor, lawyer, dentist, businessman, I have a purpose. I'm God's ambassador. I'm sent by God into my world. Say amen. So yes, we need to be taught. But listen to what Paul says to Timothy as a pastor. In 2 Timothy 4 verse 1, he says, I charge you therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who will judge the living and the dead at His appearing in His kingdom. Preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Convince, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and teaching. So teach the church. Exhort the church. Rebuke people. Teach them the Word of God. Teach doctrine. But doctrine is not the final aim. Let's continue. It says, For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but according to their own desires, because they have itching ears. What's a itchy ear? An itchy ear. I just want to hear what I want to hear. Don't say anything that offends me. Don't talk to me about the things that I don't want to hear. If you dare, I'm going to find myself another club. I'm getting myself out of this place because I can't handle truth. I want itchy ear. Just tell me, 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 myself and I. Only thing that matters, me, 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 myself and I. Only thing that matters. No, 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 no. You matter. That's why Jesus died for you. But after you are saved, you now have a responsibility. You have a kingdom responsibility. And you need leaders to talk to you about your kingdom responsibility. Not leaders who pacify you and make you a pure warmer. You should not be a pure warmer. You should be an ambassador. Oh, come on, man. An ambassador of God. And be loud and unashamed like Paul says. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ because it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone who believes. Just control young people. They're not going to be unruly. I said it last night. I won't deal with it. I'll deal with it from the platform. If you have a bladder problem, I'll pray for you. Okay? You're a visitor here. House rule. Sit down. Thank you. Show respect. 
It's not a school where you disrespect your principal. So um, he says, because they have itching ears, they will heap up for themselves teachers. So you watch Christian TV. The minute the person says something you don't like, what do you do? You flip the channel. Oh man, there's three honest people here tonight. The minute they go where you don't feel comfortable, you flip the channel. You say, I don't like him. Why don't you like him? Because he said, no, he didn't say. He said what the Bible says. So what's the issue? What's the issue? The issue is you don't like what he said because he said what the Bible said. Because you want the portions that abdicate you from responsibility. And there's no Christianity like that in the Bible. You are the good Samaritan. You are the good Samaritan. Go and do likewise. Show mercy, social justice. There's no Christianity in this Bible where you live for yourself. It does not exist in the Bible. Where you live for yourself, for your wife and your children. Me, myself and I. Oh, Pastor, I'm blessed, I'm blessed. Oh, I haven't seen your church for a long time. You know, <laughs> you know we just... We're just spending more time as a family with the Lord. Praise God. You know, and since we haven't been coming to church, we've grown so deep in the things of God. And we're growing so close to one another. <laughs> you know, almost like did something inappropriate. It's like, thanks for your honor. Since I've not, you know, I used to go to church, but, and I meet these people all the time, especially in Pretoria. I used to go to church, and now some of you haters are now going to go for, so, for me on social media. Enjoy hating. I thought we should love. Enjoy it. Peace. Peace. It's like, oh, I'm so, so deeper in the things of God. And then you tell them what the Bible says. And the snake comes out. Venom. Huh? That's okay. How many people have you reached? Oh, no, it's not about that. It's about, you know, it's like, it's like, and they have the way they roll their eyes. Have you seen? You know, it's like, you know, it's really, it's like sitting at the feet of Jesus and just, Getting to know the Lord. Just, you know, it's just. Thank God you were not one of the early disciples because the church would never grow. Thank God you were not one of the original 12 because the church would have died with you. Come on, man, give the Lord a praise. Come on. <laughs> As I get so religious. Because they want to live outside of Scripture. So now they look for things to tickle their ears. Then I say, give me a Scripture. Oh, no, the Lord told me. What Lord? The Lord of Beelzebub. The Lord Lucifer. The Lord who? Not the Lord Jesus, because the Lord Jesus can't violate Scripture. I've been to three churches and I've been hurt. Excuse me, how hurt have I been by millions of people that, uh, that so, so I say something that offends you, you tell me past time behind you, and next week you're gone. So who should be hurt? Who should be mistrusting? Huh? You have to deal with one, I have to deal with hundreds of thousands. Get over yourself. Because I had to, if I didn't get over myself, I wouldn't be here no more. I'd be on a boat somewhere, sailing the Mediterranean Sea, enjoying love of life, like Jonah running away from Nineveh. I just sail away, said I've had enough. Some of you, you want scripture and you've had enough. You don't have stomach for truth. What's your makeup? Huh? Is there a spine? 
I'm just playing with you because I know you all have to love me <laughs> as I have to love you. Okay, I'll, I'll, I'll close now. Okay, before I offend too many people. So they will leave up to each as having itching ears and they will turn their ears away from the truth and be turned aside to fables. But you, Pastor Timothy, you be watchful in all things. He's talking to a pastor. Pastors the church of Ephesus. Some Bible scholar says it was a church of about 10,000 members that it grew. Large church, influential church. You be watchful in all things. Endure affliction, hardship. Do the work of an evangelist. Fulfill your ministry. So Paul has to remind Timothy, who's actually a gentle person. Paul wasn't the most gentle of characters. The Bible's very clear. But Paul was. Oh, Timothy was. That's why Paul has to tell Timothy all the time. He says, don't be ashamed of me, the prisoner of the Lord, and don't be ashamed of the testimony of Jesus Christ, for God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. Because Timothy, Timothy's nature is to shy away. So Paul has to talk to him all the time and say, hey, keep the main thing the main thing. You don't have a spirit of timidity. You have a spirit of power, love, and a sound mind. And you receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And when you receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost, you receive power. And and, and the, the, the baptism of the Holy Ghost is not to give you a goosebump. It's to empower you to be a witness for Jesus Christ in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the uttermost parts of the earth. Come on, say amen, man. That's why God anointed you. I want to answer this and close. Okay, in two minutes, time me. Why has Jesus not returned? I'm going to give you three scriptures. Write it down. Here it is. What the Bible says. What is God waiting for? To send His Son to come back. Matthew 24 verse 14, the Bible says, The gospel of the kingdom will be preached to all the world as a witness to all nations. Then the end will come. First the church has to do the job, then Jesus will come. If we are not faithful in this generation, God will wait for another generation. James chapter 5 and 7, Therefore be patient, brethren, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth and waiting patiently for it until he receives the early and later rain. And he has an astounding scripture. That's why we should pray for Israel. I'm not going to talk anything politically, but we should pray for Israel and we should thank God that as Gentiles, we have been grafted into the branch. We should thank God that God put a veil on Israel. Their minds were blinded so that you and I as Gentiles have the opportunity to get saved. Okay, listen to the Scripture. Romans 11, 25, the Passion Translation says, My beloved brothers and sisters, I want to share with you a mystery concerning Israel's future. For understanding this mystery will keep you from thinking you already know everything. A partial and temporary hardening to the gospel has come over Israel, which will last until the full number of the non-Jews or the Gentiles has come into God's family. The full number. So God has a number. And once that number is reached, because God knows who He wants in heaven, how many people, how big He wants His family to be. Once that number is reached, the greatest revival is going to hit Israel and that will be a sign of the tribulation and the return of Jesus Christ where 144,000 male Jewish evangelists will be raised up and there will be a season where people will see the Messiah, hallelujah, and the Jews are going to get saved and Jesus is going to come back and He's going to rule from Jerusalem and you and I will serve the Lord forever and ever and ever. And there's one reason, there's but one reason why Jesus has not come back. He's waiting for a number. Yes, He's waiting for a number. So God is not interested in the chosen few. God wants multitudes. God wants nations. God wants every tongue, tribe and nation to hear the gospel and to go to heaven. Because Jesus didn't just die for my world and your world. He died for the whole world. Come on family. Let's commit ourselves to take Jesus Christ to our friends and to our colleagues and, 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 and to get up and wake up and to stop playing Christianity. And uh, this assignment, by the way, I started by telling you that um, the last week two people died that uh, I know of tragically, terrible. 
Don't focus on what happened to them, focus that they did. Not one of them woke up that morning and thought, this is my last day. Think about it. We don't want to think about this, but this is true. In December, we had some of our young people go somewhere and they had a car accident. And how many of them died? Three out of the four died. Beautiful people, young people, 2021, dead. Back, gone. Have you ever seen a dead body? I've seen many. Have you, have you seen, when you look at a person, that that person is not there? How, how that person doesn't even look the same? Have you seen people die? Have you been there while they die? I have. I've been in, 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 in the hospital with hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people in their rooms, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people that left this earth. I've been there. When it's the final moment. In the army, people get shot. I saw it and hear them cry for their mothers. Their final moment, they cry. The macho men, they cry. Many of them curse God, but they all cry for their mothers. It's an amazing thing. Ma, 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 ma. Why, I don't know. They shout for their mothers. They lost. They know they're going to die. I've stood and I've seen people die without Christ and I've seen them wrestle. I've seen people with their final breath mock God and refuse to give their life to Jesus Christ. People are sitting listening to me today. You had your final breath. You don't even know it. I'm not putting damnation or judgment upon you. I'm telling you the fact. You don't know. This life is a vapor. It's not something you can play with. It's not something you can mess around with. You think later. Young people always think later. There may be no later. I don't know. But one thing I do know, you have this moment. And if you're not right with God, that means you are lost. And that means God brought you here tonight to hear me say this, sitting there in Cape Town, one of those students, Stellenbosch, Potschefstrom, Durban, sitting in Kimberley, many got saved last week in Kimberley, Poch, uh, Pete, uh, Port Elizabeth, many, many got saved, Bloomdain, all those students, thousands there tonight, Johannesburg, Witz, UJ, sitting there tonight. Look, we can all be radical and some of us were more radical than other people. So I look at these young people in our country that toy burn, toy toy burn and, 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 I, and I see their frustration, I get it. And, and legislation won't change them. They need Christ, they need a cause, they need a savior. We should stop criticizing those people. We should actually take Jesus to them. We should take a cause of Christ to them. But you sitting here tonight and you're not okay with God, you're not right with God. If you die tonight, you don't know where you would spend eternity. It's something you have to answer, it's reality. Maybe you are the lost coin. Maybe you are the lost sheep. At one time you served God, but you're not serving Him. You're sitting on a fence. It's a dangerous place to be. Maybe like the prodigal, you've left your father's house for whatever. It's not why you are where you are. It's getting back to God. Allowing God to bring you back. Tonight somebody invited you to church for me to preach this message to you. To say to you, that you matter, your soul matters, your life matters. You are one of the number that God wants saved. And tonight He's knocking at your heart. He's sitting here, Don Bloemfontein, Potsofstroom. Kijk, ek was jaren in a kerk geweest, groot geweest, 